0: Bible? All right, Phoebe, you're good with the recording now. I'm going to open up this morning with uh, the first part of Second Corinthians 5, verse 7, and then we're going to jump into the word this morning. Second Corinthians, and then I'm going to pray, excuse me. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we live by faith, not by sight. For we live by faith, would you say the word faith? We live by faith, which is our trust in God belief in God. Faith believes what we can't see, but what we know in our heart to be true. And the reason we know it to be true is because God said it and not by sight. Let's pray. Father, we we love you today and thank you for the privilege that we have to come together so freely today and to worship you so freely today and so safely. And we use that opportunity to express our love for you today and say, God, as we're here, as we're worshiping you, as we're loving one another, would you speak to each one of us through your word, Lord God. We thank you for the power of your word and the authority of your word. We trust you by your Holy Spirit to speak to every one of us as you're speaking to all of us. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and leading of your Holy Spirit. God, to share what's in your word today. Father, I thank you, I love you, and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're in this series called Fresh Start, and um, in this series, in the first week of the year, we talked about removing barriers in our lives, like distraction and sin, and uh, the second week, we talked about returning to grace, and how we have to remember that it's not your works that save you, that it really is by grace, and it's trusting Jesus, and you know, your own work to maybe penalize yourself or punish yourself when you fail is not actually helpful, but... Um, The answer is always run to the Lord and always go to him and receive what he has for you. And then last week we talked about leaning in. We talked about how we should all have this predisposition in our own hearts and our own spirits that um, when we come up to hard times, we want to lean in. We want to lean in to healthy friendships and relationships that will point us towards Christ and build us up and how we um, we shouldn't go through difficult times alone. That's not what we're designed for. Um, We have something to give, and there are other people around us who have something to give us, and we need to lean into those safe friendships and be building them along the way. And, of course, I made a little plug for Life Groups because that's what I do. The other thing that we need to to lean into is we need to lean into the Lord. And we actually used um, the Last Supper and when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane to talk about leaning into your friends and leaning into the Father, and how Jesus uh, travailed and was seeking the Lord, and if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nonetheless not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus just sets the standard of how you can, you can really lean into the Lord, even in circumstances that maybe you would change if you could. And sometimes we use our prayers to try to manipulate and change God, and even Jesus looked at, at the Father at that moment and said, it's not what I want, but I'm willing to do whatever you have asked me to do, because there's... There's a greater good. There really is a greater good, the the paying for the sin of all humanity. This week, I want to talk to you about, uh, in this idea of fresh start, I want to give you a framework when it comes to our following the Lord. And uh, admittedly, I'm going to give you a broad concept today, not deep teaching today. I want to give you a framework for how to look at and how to... um, How to consider what you're walking through in life through the lens of the word. And the way that I want to do that to you is I want to give you three examples of where the Lord leads us so that you can in your own life, you can in your own life like really think about like in this area, where am I and what's the right response? And so one area that we'll talk about is, I know, right? Come on. I had dinner last night with somebody and their one-year-old started talking and just blah 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 blah, blah. and I just—by the way, if you're on the podcast, we we just have a, a child who's given us an amen. Um, but uh, you know, we're we're there, and the, this baby just starts blah 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 blah, and I'm just like, I don't care that about you adults right now, and I'm just like, come on, let's talk. You know, it's just beautiful. I, I think grandpa's lived the dream. I'm looking forward to it. Can you tell? I know it's a bit weird. You're like, he looks 20. I'm not. Um, I'm really not. These three areas I want, to, I want to talk to you about as a framework. One is the wilderness, which is an Old Testament concept of where the people lived for 40 years. Uh, the land of Canaan, which is a concept of where they went to after the wilderness. And then the third thing I want to talk to you about following or the leading of the Lord is in the Great Commission. And the one caveat I want to give you with this is that these things are, in, in the word, sequential events. They happen, there's the wilderness, then they enter into Canaan, and then, you know, centuries later, this Great Commission where they're preaching the name of Jesus. But in our lives, they're not concurrent, they're not, they're not sequential. They actually all happen at once. In one area of your life, you may be in the wilderness, and I'm going to explain what I, what I mean by that. In another area in your life, you're like, man these are the good days. This is the sweet stuff right here. And all the while, there's this undercurrent of this commission that we all have, that we have this treasure. We have this gospel. We have Jesus. And there are people around us in the world who he is exactly who they need. And that we're always following him in that commission in simple ways and in great ways. And so uh, I want to start with the wilderness. I'm going to read to you out of Nehemiah 9:19 9, through 21. It says, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them from the wilderness. By day, a pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor a pillar of fire at night to shine on their way to, to take them. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them. you say the word sustained? It's a really key concept in, in the concept of wilderness as being sustained. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing, for their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. And the wilderness is this Old Testament part of history where... The Lord had led his people out of Egypt and Egypt was a place of slavery and bondage. And any person who's breathing knows what that is because we're in bondage and slavery to sin before Jesus helps us to overcome the the compulsion that you have to sin and, and be bound by those kinds of things. Now you have several million people in the Old Testament who are out of Egypt and out of this slavery and they're nomads. They're moving around from place to place in the wilderness and they're not building towns and cities. They're not planting gardens. And their day-to-day sustenance was um, was manna, these wafers that would fall from heaven, and this quail that the Lord would provide. And when they needed water, struck the rock, and water flowed from the rock. And if you can imagine, like all of these people being sustained miraculously as nomads, that's a lot of people being sustained. It was it was miraculous because it was appearing. Um, as they needed it, Um, but it's a paradox, because even though it was miraculous, it was the same all the time. And you can imagine, like, if somebody gave you, you know, your favorite favorite Chick-fil-A sandwich today, you'd be like, thank you, Lord. I mean, if it floated down from heaven and it was just the way you liked it, except on Sundays, that's right. (laughs) Which really fits with manna, because the manna, it was double on Saturday and none on Saturday. You never really distracted me. Um, <laughs> that we're going to have to work on this Chick-fil-A analogy. It's right on. Um, but Your Chick-fil-A sandwich, you know, it falls down in your hand on Monday morning, and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. But if it fell on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, two of them, um, <laughs> and then week after week after year after year, I don't care how much you like that Chick-fil-A sandwich, you'd be like, I'm done. I want something else. And so it was this, but it was miraculous. It was still miraculous. And that was the place that these people were learning to, to trust in the Lord. It, it's interesting when you go into it because they could have entered into Canaan, which we're going to talk about very quickly after going out of Egypt, but they weren't ready. They still had Egypt in them. They still had things in them that God needed to to help them work out, the attitudes and patterns of thinking. And so, you know, the wilderness, if you will, it's the hard way to learn. Anybody learn the hard way around here, right? But what you're learning is you're learning faith in God and you're learning obedience. Faith and obedience. I trust you, Lord. I'm going to follow what you say. It's just that elegant. I trust you, Lord. I'm going to do what you say. There were times where they were tempted to go back to Egypt. There were times where they were ungrateful. And, you know, and in our lives, we have times where we're just getting through. You know what I'm talking about? Where it just feels like I'm just making it. God is sustaining me, but I certainly wouldn't use the word prosper right now. Right, and I'm not. I'm, you, no, I, I'm not talking about money, although it absolutely does apply to money. I'm talking about areas in our lives. It can be your professional life, it can be your financial life, it can be relationships, it can be a whole slew of things in your life that this can apply to, where you feel like, yeah, God is sustaining me, and every, but I, I'm tired of having to just miraculously get through. And that's that's that wilderness place. It's the hard place to learn and. It is a place where our own attitudes and our own wrong thinking gets exposed. And where we begin to say, God, I need to, to trust you more. And, you know, the, the key is we want to learn our lessons. And I don't mean that like God is some mean taskmaster going, you know, until you No, It's actually for your good. He wants Egypt out of you for your good. He wants the wrong thinking out of you for your good. It's not It's not because he's mad at you. He loves you. He's just trying to draw out that image of God that he's put in you and make it the best in you. And he, he just knows the best way that we all learn. The... The promised land is very different. For them, again, it was sequential. Forty years later, a generation dies off, and they're going into the promised land. And the promised land is very different. The promised land is literally like the land of Israel. It was called, they called it Canaan then, right? Exodus 3.7 says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come... To rescue them. Aren't you thankful that he comes to rescue us? To rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out and into the land, into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey, a home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And, you know, this... This concept of this place that he wanted to take them, a spacious place, a place that has lots of provision. And what they would find is it was a place where it was cities they hadn't built and vineyards they hadn't planted. And it was this place that was prepared for them. And again, I'll go back and say, the Lord, when you're talking about his heart, his heart was, I want you to enter in quickly. But it was their own fear and their own disobedience that actually kept them in the wilderness longer. Does that make sense? Now, again, I don't think he was trying to be cruel. He was frustrated, but he wasn't being cruel. He wanted to get something out of them so they could go in and take what he had for them. And so then they go into this, this land of Canaan, and the way that they entered was faith and obedience. It was, God, I trust you. And, you know, going in, they... The, the men had to be circumcised, and going in, they had to cross through the Jordan, and the Jordan split. Going in, you know, one of the cities they took was, was Jericho, and you can read the story in the book of Joshua. And In Jericho, the Lord gives um, Joshua a plan. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to take your people, and I want you to take the priest, and I want them out front, and I want you to walk around the city um, for seven days, and on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. I don't know about you, but to me that doesn't seem like quite a battle plan for taking a city. If you've seen the Veggie Tale, I mean, they're, the people in the city are like, you can't knock down our wall, the little French piece, you know? And they're like, you can't you knock... And they're like throwing slushies down on them. They didn't have slushies then, but... You know, it's just like they're mocking, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But on the seventh day, they go around seven times, and there's this atmosphere of worship, and they, they yell, and they scream, and they worship, and they praise, and the walls come. T- I mean, it's an amazing story. And you only do things like that by faith and obedience. And what's really smart about the Lord is he so desires to have a relationship with you that this faith and obedience thing, you never graduate from it. You never graduate from it because it's the way of relationship with him. God, I, I trust you today. I lean into you today. I want to follow you today. I want to hear you today. What are you saying today? I want to follow you. It's a very relational thing. You never get to a point where you're like, you know what? I got this. I'll, I'll see you on the other side, Lord. I got it. I got the principles. I got how it works. I'm good. It doesn't work that way. It's always relational. It's always faith and obedience. It's always this interaction between us and him because he's just drawing us closer and closer and closer. And the way the scripture says it is he's transforming us into his likeness and image. And it's this progressive thing all of our lives. And aren't you thankful that he doesn't leave you in a spot? That he's working in us, but he's so patient and so deliberate about it. What I find in our lives is is i find that there are areas in my life where if i'm honest with myself i go i'm in the wilderness with this relationship or i'm in the wilderness with this financial thing or i'm in the wilderness with this thing in my profession like there's a thing where i'm the lord is sustaining me but it ain't pretty and there're ups and downs and all over the place right but then there are these other places where when I look at it, I go, man, he treats me so much better than I deserve. How am I this blessed in this area? And it's this kind of both and in our lives. And the reason I'm sharing with you is I think it's good for us to understand the, the, and be able to discern where we are in different areas of our lives. Because sometimes we'll go, why is my life so good here and such a mess there? It's because that's how it works. <laughs> You're not broken. You're normal. And this journey is a journey. But what I love is his desire is to take us to the better place. But he's not raising spoiled brats. And he's not raising selfish children. And he's working stuff out inside of us because it makes us look more and more like him. And that's a good thing. The third thing that the Lord leads us in is in this area of... The Great Commission. I want to read to you Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I appreciate you all playing along with me. Would you say the word "Go." go? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this all nations. It's so fitting with our missions update earlier today. Go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to know that all of us in this room, we are not exempt from this scripture because we are being made disciples all the time. I'm not done. I'm still a work in progress. Amen? And there's this idea of going because there are people who need to hear and need to know that there is this new life that is possible through Jesus. I love that scripture in Timothy. It says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the very worst. That's the Apostle Paul writing that. It's like this simplicity. And we're... Paul reminds Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He's reminding his leader, do the work of an evangelist. Don't forget, there are people around you who need Jesus, and I think it's so important because, you know, in our in our family of church here, um, there's this wanting to care and love for one another, and you know, practical things like a life group and things like that for interaction. But it's so important that we remember all of the people around us. And a good friend of mine, he says, "I'm just another beggar showing. An, I'm a beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Like I found some bread, and I want other people to know where the bread is. And there are people who don't have the bread. There are people who don't know how good Jesus is. That it was His love that compelled Him to go onto that cross. That it was the Father's love." that compelled him to send his only son, that that there is this life that he wants to give us that is better than life apart from him, and that he's not forcing people in it, but he's inviting them to it. And we are the vessels that get to say, he's really, really good. Taste and see. That he's really, really good. And I just want to encourage you today, if, if it intimidates you at all to, like, share your faith or to talk about Jesus with people and things like that. I just want you to know that that is, that is social pressure and that is insecurities in us. And those are, those are all things around us that don't amount to anything, really. They don't, they don't really matter in the view of eternity. And I, I don't mean this because like people are like some notch in your belt. I, I led four people to Jesus this week, and you know it's like my notches. It's not about that. It's about the number of, of people that Jesus wants to, to experience his love and, and what it is to have new life and to turn to him and that kind of thing. And I apologize for that distraction. We'll get that fixed. Um, but there's, there's people who need him. A need to experience who he is. And we have this message. We have this truth in us. And I don't care where you are on the journey. If you've experienced anything good from him, you have something to give. You don't need to get more qualified to tell others what he's done for you. You already are qualified. You already have a message in it. Your your message fits your story, and who knows how God might use it in other people's lives. It, he is so amazing. And if you, in your own heart, would just say, God, who do you want me to share with today? Who do you want me to love today? Who do you, Who would you lead me to? I'm telling you, he's always leading us to people around us. It's just checking in with him and saying, who... Who do you have a heart for today? You know what, what's really cool? Some, some of us are wired like, what do I need to do? And it's like, kind of like a following an order. And I need to follow the order so I get it done. And I, I appreciate that loyalty and that attitude. But you know, God has a love for people. What's really neat is when he puts somebody on your heart, and he doesn't just deposit an assignment, but he deposits a compassion in your heart that meets the assignment. And it could be somebody that you know. It could be somebody that you don't know. You know what's really fun? Is when he gives you an assignment of somebody you don't like. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Hi, Jonah. Um, You know, it's like God says, you know what? I want to work on your heart to love the person that you don't love because I love them and I want you to line up with me. I'm sorry. I just took that to another level. I'll back down. I'm making some of you nervous. I'm not really going to back down. Um, but there's this deposit of love that comes with this compassion for other people. We're not, we're not blindly just obeying and doing it because he said so. We're doing it because he puts his love in our heart for other people. And it's so healthy for you. It's so healthy for all of us to, to look around and realize that these people around me matter. And these people have stories, and I can't care for them all at once. I don't have the kind of capacity God has, but I certainly can compare, uh, uh, have compassion and love for one person at a time and the person that's in front of me and ask God to help me to see them. I was on the phone with somebody this week, and we were buying a car, which was a real answer to prayer for Ethan. Um, Halle, third Civic in the family. Woo-woo! Um <laughs> county's going to come by and say so about this car lot you have. um, I call this guy and it was kind of a, it was really like a divine appointment call him and like set up a time to see him and he calls me back a little bit later. He's like like my phone is ringing off the hook to get this car and and he goes, "Um, but you were so nice on the phone that I wanted to call you back and give you an opportunity to get here first. I was at the Y. I said I'm leaving the Y. I'm putting my wife in the car. We're coming to Mechanicsville, Cole Harbour Road. Man, that's a drive. Did it three times this week. Anyhow, he's like, y'all were so nice. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, who do you talk to? (laughs) Who's being so mean to you? You know, and we're just talking. It was really neat. They were a Christian family, and actually Monday they led somebody to the Lord at at St. Mary's who was going to go in for a procedure. And It was kind of like this whole divine appointment thing. But I thought... Nice stood out. And I'm thinking, you know, it, it it's really not that complicated to care for someone. It's not rocket science. The word is sincerity. A drop of sincerity goes a whole lot of a long way. And what's amazing is when the Lord anoints your sincerity. Oh man. He's working both sides. I could talk about this for about an hour. I'm not going to. Um, would you stand with me this morning? Grace? I want to I do two things with you. Um, one is, I gave you this framework of the wilderness and the promised land. The thing is, God doesn't actually want to leave you in the wilderness. That's not his heart. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to sustain you in the wilderness. He's not trying to leave you there. And for some of you, you hear that and you're like, I want out. I want out of the wilderness. And that is a very normal thing. (laughs) And I just want to encourage you today just to say, okay, Lord, do in me, have the courage, do in me. What needs to be done so that I can leave the miraculous uh, being sustained and enter in to the promises that you have for me. There's so many promises in the word healing and provision and care and strength and all of these things that he has for us. In both places, God's with you. But maybe you're in a place where you're just ready. Maybe there's an emotional thing or a relational thing or something where you're just ready to cross over. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you today and just say, hey, Lord, what what needs to happen, lead me. And it may be tomorrow, it may be in a week, it may be in a month, but he's really good at leading us out and it's important for us to know he takes us out and into something better, but you want the lesson, you want the transformation. Um, if you're here today and maybe you're in a place in your life where you go, you know, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that He is God, and I believe that He gave His life for me and for my sin, but I'm not following Jesus. If you're here today and you're in that place, I just want to give you the opportunity to turn your heart over to Him. It's not complicated. It's taking your life and saying, you know what? I I don't want the authority of my life, and I don't want to do my life my way. God, forgive me for the ways that I... Take my life in my own hands and do things that I know that are not pleasing to you, and just ask you to forgive me. And I just I want to follow you, I want you, God. I want to follow you in all that that means. I want to pray for you if that's you today as well. Would you close your eyes? That first thing this morning, if you got a place that you you go, you know what? I've been in the wilderness, and I just really want to cross over. I, I'm I'm weary of the wilderness, but I want to have the courage. To have faith and obedience to cross over. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us. You actually will lead us, even in the midst of the wilderness. And we proclaim that you're a good God, and you're a providing God, and you're a miraculous God, and that you do sustain us. But Lord, there is an unrest that you give us, and a desire that you give us, that we want to pass over into the best of what you have for us. And so today, Lord, I just say, God, whatever you want to do in us that prepares us to, in faith and obedience, cross over. I just say, Lord, we, we give you permission. We give you permission. place where we've been resistant. The place where our attitude or our heart's wrong. The place that needs transformation in us. Lord, prepare us for crossing over. Lord, that concept of circumcision, circumcising our hearts, tearing away the flesh, tearing away the things, Lord God, that keep us from the best that you have for us. Lord, I thank you. May we cross over. May we cross over today, tomorrow, next week. You you hold the timeline, but God, we just say, God, lead us to crossing over. We don't, we don't want the wilderness to be the end of this part of the story. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you just want to make a a commitment to Christ, you need to make a commitment to follow him this morning, would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to follow you. Oh, God. We come to you today and we just say, Lord, I want to follow you. Not partly, not partially. I just put my life into your hands and trust you fully. And Lord, I pray that for every one of us, oh God, let your love bleed over into our hearts. Lord, may our hearts desire assignments because. We want to see people come to life in you. Uh, These are people and they matter. They're not notches in our belt, but oh God, how they matter to you. And I pray, Lord, let compassion fill us. Let your compassion fill us. And Lord, lead us. Lead us to share your story. Lead us to share what you're doing in our lives. Give us the words, Holy Spirit, Lord, to lead folks to you. And to know you. God we thank you. We love you. We honor you in Jesus name. Amen.